Richards Bowie versus Tillian. Is this year when I'm glowy? Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy or a villain. It's time for Bowie versus Dillian. Hello and welcome to another special edition of Bowie versus Dylan. I'm Charlie and I like Bowie. I'm Jake and I love Dylan. And we're, today oh, we are what? Huh? I'm oh, you're doing here. the info. Okay. I was just gonna Can say we'll we're, go we're coming to you live together in one of our rare co-public appearances. Mm. This doesn't happen very mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. Once every year or two, we're in the same place at the same time. This yep. is one of those times. That's right. We're on a majestic. We have a majestic view of yeah. the Sankar River Valley right uh-huh. now at our mother's house. Uh, there's a lot of birds flying around and making a lot of noise. We kind of feel like it sounds like we're at the seaside. So if you're hearing that, it's just because we're... It's, think of majestic scenery and us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Up tall, you uh-huh. know. Uh, looking above, looking looking out amongst the people with with the audience of birds and lots of insects. <laughs> Who appreciate us a lot. Uh, intense humidity, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, before we get into things, uh, Jake, I think you're going to talk a little bit about some things happening in the world of Dylan right now. We have a few news and notes here uh, since we talked to you last in, what was that, January or February? Yeah, yeah. it was the last episode, I think it was the 2020 episode. Okay, yeah, that's right, we were talking about 2020. Uh, deep into 2021, we got some very exciting uh, news about Bob Dylan. He is releasing his volume 16 of the Bootleg series. Woo! Oh yeah, it's called Springtime in New York. I'm glad they gave it a title. It's good, good, good work. I'm glad they put a picture of old Bob on there. With his... the cover isn't as bad as it could be, Jake. I'll be honest. Well, <laughs> I feel like it it exceeds prior expectations in a way that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, but the Bootleg series stuff it usually has good covers. Oh well, it's know. his albums that are the problem. Yeah, his his actual rough and rowdy ways really got us ready for another just stinker of a cover that I somebody mean, that some intern worked up and. I mean, is it Bob Dylan's fault? Is it Bob Dylan's fault in the early '80s that he had a gigantic mullet, frizzy Afro mullet? Yeah, it and, is his fault. Uh, some earrings that dangled yes. down to his shoulders. Yes, he's directly his fault. We can and blame him that he for that. liked to wear uh, leather vests with nothing underneath them. <laughs> we is all that liked that fault? in the '80s, Jake. Is that his fault? <laughs> You tell me, Chaz. Anyway, that's the cover of Springtime in New York, okay, bootleg series, volume 16. It, uh, it covers uh, 1980 through 1985 outtakes, you know, unreleased songs. There's just about a million of them. I, I'm, I'm trying to decide how to spend the most money on the various deluxe editions without actually getting all the tracks. And I think, I think <laughs> third I'm man is well on my way. I, I'm going third man. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. I'm going the third man vault series. But you're also going to have all the tracks. No, so that I'll probably have to buy this, the deluxe 5 CD edition because I like that box. That's the 12-inch yeah, box. It's got to match the other ones on your shelf. Exactly. I mean, so the things that matter. You know, they, they got me, and they, they got me all hot and heavy about that third man vault thing. And then I was like, wait a minute, what have I done? I woke up the next day, and it was like, oh, Get a cold what did sweat. I do? What, what did I, how <laughs> much did I, what? <laughs> I was hiding the bank statements from my wife, still, you know. <laughs> the, the, Jack White's <laughs> echoing laughter still in your head. <laughs> Which is genuinely terrifying, by the way. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, there has been no new box that announced for Bowie. Yeah, even you though thought there was going to be. Well, I think I think there's still going to be. I have a feeling by this time this episode's actually up, there'll be another box that announced. Is that right? Well, well we, we had we had three main possibilities right now, Jake. We have the uh, the <laughs> long promised fifth era box set, which mm-hmm. came out yearly, 
until 2018, and then when it stopped coming out yearly. Mm-hmm. The last one was Loving the Alien. That was three years, three yearly years ago. 80s, mullet. Now we're moving to the 90s, where he started getting kind of good again. Yeah. But And so it's supposed to be 93 to 2001. They, last year, when they didn't do it, they said, hey, you guys, we'll do it next year. But so they're going to do a five years box set from 93 to 2001? Well, it's not. They're not only the first one's called five years. They're just, you know, they're different numbers of years, Jake. Wait, there's different numbers of years? Yeah. Just joking. What is going on? <laughs> I don't know. That's not possibility number one. Possibility number two is a box set based around Bowie's unreleased uh, 2001 album toy. Yeah. Which there's been rumors flying around and like some you know sketchy online like listings on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. websites from the Czech, wild from Czech Republic and stuff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Czech Republic. Which have actually been right before, so it's possible. Ooh. And then third one, the one that I want most of all, and actually this one probably will happen either either way. Is a hunky dory 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 50th anniversary is in December. It's never gotten any kind of deluxe edition whatsoever, Jake. That's, I thought that was uh, outrageous. I thought that was hot off the heels of the 47th anniversary picture disc. <laughs> well, you know that one happened, but <laughs> the laser disc was wasn't that a laser disc? I don't remember. Whatever. Silver. Hey, do you have anything else to talk about before we just get on? Oh, I have something to talk about. <laughs> I have an apology. Oh, we're five minutes in. We haven't even started talking about anything yet. No. Uh, I have an apology to the loyal listeners of Louder Than Sound. Oh. Our second go at a new podcast, and it just kind of uh, fizzled out. It did fizzle out. And we're sorry, out. everybody. After not fizzling out for two and a half long years and more, yeah. uh, Boy vs. Dylan, yep. I would forgive you, you know, we'd be forgiven for thinking that we wouldn't fizzle out on this one, but we did. We fizzled out hard. We I wouldn't even call it a fizzle. I would call it a thud. We thudded yeah. out. Yeah. Well, we chose to burn out rather than fade away, Jake. That's what we did. <laughs> well, and like, I'd choose that again. Like Neil Young and Johnny Rotten and... Some other people. Well, I guess Neil Young's still around, but he took, but he, but he, but he sang about burning he out. He did sing, but away. he actually faded away. Yeah, Buddy Holly. He's still he faded. Away. He burned out. <laughs> Not Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morris, Janis Joplin, Janis Joplin, Kurt, Kurt Cobain. Oh, you know, all these are all. all of them. These are all the the great figureheads of rock who are nonetheless. Who would have supported Dead. us? Not with us. Who would have supported us in ending louder than sound? Boy, you know, it's starting to think. Like, I'm starting to think that maybe fading away is better than burning <laughs> out. Both Based Dylan, on these both Dylan and Bowie did it, so <laughs> Dylan's still fading away. He's fading away slowly but surely. <laughs> Just come on, he's he's still got those rough he's and rocky ways. All right, so we move into the actual episode here, Jake. Yeah, let's do it. Sure. So I'm going to start things out with a shout out to Tyson, hey, a Tyson. fan who emailed us uh, Tyson, recently. Hey. Tyson, And hey. it was like, hey, you guys, uh, on your last episode, you talked about the worst albums by each person and the best albums by this person, but you know what I want to know about? I want to know about the middle albums. Yeah. And this reminded both of us simultaneously of a ridiculous Simpsons quote yeah, like from the, the exact episode same time. where Homer ends up with a gigantic pile of sugar in his backyard that he gets <laughs> from some broken down truck or something. Yeah, because it, it crashed on the highway. Yeah. And Marge wants him to get rid of it, and he's going slowly crazy about it. And so uh, she, she's yelling at him to get rid of this, and he responds with, I can't live the button-down life like you. I want it all. The terrifying lows, the dizzying highs, the creamy middles. It's Homer Simpson right there. Uh, and that's, that's what not, we're, that's that's what we're, that's what we're calling this So we're calling this episode the creamy middles. Mm. So we're going to start by um, doing our albums from the bottom to the top with the very bottom. And we're going to do best back and forth. We're going to have to get a little creative because Dylan has significantly more albums than Bowie. Yeah, but 11 more. But we put in a, a little segue that sort of kind of makes sense. No, a little tangent that's just going to take up some time for all y'all. Yeah. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. Yeah.
All right, so we're going to start with kind of a rapid fire through the bottom five, because we talked about this more in depth in the uh, the BVD Awards episode. I think it was we number did. 64, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. number 64, yeah. the BVD yeah. Awards. All right. That was exactly a year ago, by the way, that we Ooh. did that. Yeah. Almost exactly Ooh. a year ago. All right, so let's kick it. I'm going to start with Bowie. All right. Number 28, his bottom album is Ooh. Never Let Me Down from 1987. It let you down. So ironically, let me down hard. <laughs> All right, kick it, Jake. Okay, so number 39 for me. Here, we're already getting off track. Uh, and uh, my bottom five actually changed since a year ago. So that's, oh, I know, whoa. I know. Sharp-eared listeners will will will, will hear it. Uh, Under the Red Sky from 1990. It's just the worst, and it continues to be the worst. That right. that will never change. Number 27 is tonight the most phoned-in album of his entire career. Ooh, I mean, he just. Right in. I'm not sure he was even in the studio for. It's like for an most episode of, of this podcast. <laughs> Only Except a major bad. label release. <laughs> Except really bad. <laughs> and not delightful. No nope. fun. All right, number 38 for me is from 1985. It's Empire Burlesque. Uh, we're going to revisit this in the springtime in New York box set, <laughs> but I'm really hoping that it may be <laughs> stripped of the production values that we can get. Well, but we the, also the know that supposedly we're good, so we're going to find Dylan is out. famous for leaving off the best stuff from every album. So yeah. He's also famous for being incredibly confused about the direction of his career in the 1980s. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, number 20. Six, Tin Machine. Mm. Everyone knows it. Everyone. I don't know it. Doesn't love it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I know of it. Number thirty-seven for me is Knocked Out Loaded from nineteen eighty-six. Uh, a famously extremely crappy album that has one uh, amazing song on it. I don't know what happened. Uh, number twenty-five, Tin Machine Two. <laughs> I'm sensing it. The theme. album's so nice they did it twice. <laughs> Number 36 for me is Infidels from 1983. And I just want to say quickly that Infidels is on Apple Music as one of his essential albums. (laughs) And I believe that people really respect uh, this album. It was a comeback after his Christian albums. Um, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't like it, and I don't like listening to it. So that's just So me. have you just named three of the three albums that are being covered in the next box set? Yes. No, two. <laughs> two so far. Yeah, isn't Infidels in there, too? Yeah, but Knocked Out Loaded. Oh, Knocked Out Loaded isn't. Infidels also Although, you know what? was the one where, uh, where Bowie was asked to produce it, and he said no. That's correct, and Mark Knopfler did instead. Yeah. Uh, Knocked Out Loaded actually is a collection of songs from the previous three years of its oh, release. Okay. So yeah, it's in yeah. there. Okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we'll get it. And number 24 is Hours from 1999. Unlike the other four, which came out in a row, mm. uh, actually in the order that I said, <laughs> no, almost in the order I said them in. Oh yeah, those four, awesome. those are his four albums in a row. Ours was actually in the middle of some pretty good to decent albums, and he just stunk it up for one, and then went back to being pretty good. Yeah, okay. So uh, number thirty-five is Saved from nineteen eighty. That is the second uh, Christian al- part of the Christian trilogy, and the worst of the three, mm, maybe by far. All right, just at this point, I'm going to take a slight detour while Jake keeps right on down the same straight road. <laughs> I'm going. Because we need to fill in a little bit here. Yeah. So, uh, Bowie did quite a number of guest appearances on other artists' albums, and Dylan did not. Almost never. So, I'm going to do Bowie's top ten guest appearances on other people's albums mm-hmm. while Jake keeps doing this other thing over here that, yeah. me, that we're already doing. So, yeah. here we so, go. Well, we're, just, just so you know. Uh, audience, we are entering the creamy middles right now. Just <laughs> Jake is entering the creamy middles. That. I'm not to the creamy middles yet. Okay, but we're both been to the terrifying lows. We did the terrifying lows. I know it was hard we're to not, hear that. We're going to go a while before we get to the dizzying highs. Oh, yeah. Very it's going to be episode. a while. So what do you call, so creamy middles are going to be our middle, like, you know, 14 albums. Or 18 or whatever. Whatever. What you are, th- what? You're overthinking this, Jake. I 
always crunchy do. middles. I always crunchy do. Middles. <laughs> the crunchy. We're like the rice part of the the crunchy. I don't know nougat, whatever. I don't know. There's soggy. There's some <clears> sogginess yeah. going on. Yeah. The soggy, the soggy middles. Yeah. Uh, so let's do okay. my first best well, what, guest what, appearance. What about if I go first and then maybe that will take oh, right. care we of should, this? Yeah, we should kick off this creamy middle. Yeah. Right. All right. Do so let's kick off. Okay. So I this is this is the, this is the beginning of the creamy middles for Bob Dylan. It's his 34th best album. And I sorry, I know we want to just jump right in here, but I have to say that as all lists go, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of this, these are just my favorite ones. And I'm ranking these Kind of based on listenability, when mm-hmm. it's uh, when it's hard to tell whether one is good, better than the other. See, I took uh, a different tact here. Okay, I went for what the up. objectively best tourist albums are, and mine is the only definitive list. <laughs> is that right? That exists. Period. And everyone else who might rate differently is wrong. Okay. So I, mean, I just we went a little different different direction on yeah, this. I guess. That's yeah, that's fine. You know, yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a soft hearted guy. You know. Yeah. And no, I'm right. A, I'm correct. You're an absolute. And you're an absolutist. Uh, it's always been that way. <laughs> Uh, all right, so my 34th best album is Down in the Groove from 1988. Mm. You'll sense a 80s theme here. Um, and I just want to mention that this one is extremely overproduced and uh, and really like going for some sort of Bruce Springsteen in the 80s kind of synth thing, you know, mm-hmm. Bob. Uh, and uh, it has one good song on it, and that is called Rank Strangers to Me. It's the final song. This is another Bob Dylan classic. He'll yeah. he'll put you through a good eight, nine, ten real stinkers. And then at the end, you're like, oh, wait, that was a good song. So you do know what you're doing still? <laughs> what, what's happening right now? Uh, the answer is no, he does not. No. All right. All right. Best guest appearances. We'll start with number 10. Well, actually, I have an honorable mention really quick. Um, just so you know, the way I rated this guys are on based on the overall quality of the album itself and the degree of involvement from Bowie. So it might be like an amazing album, but if he's just doing backing vocals for one song, like that's not a rank as high as if he produced it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got to stop hitting the table. You're just slamming making, the making table. noises. I mm-hmm. just get excited. Everybody <laughs> so excited to be back. <laughs> so honorable mention really quick, which Jake, just hold back your cuss filled words, <clears throat> cuss filled heart. Yeah. It's Arcade Fire's Reflector, <laughs> which is an album I love, and I have never forced Jake to like it, but he always I've given brings it. up the fact that he just like he just I don't like it, it out, which is no, fine. I don't think that's the problem. The problem is that you always feel it need to like make a big comment what about What I'm it. confused about is that it's your favorite Arcade Fire It's album. my favorite. Why? Is you, I don't know why you have such a problem. It's like, I don't have a problem. I'm it's con- like when I make some food that the kids don't like, and it's just for me. And they still have to go, Ew, I don't like that. Okay. I'm like, I don't, all, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. You don't know, I don't want you to eat it. First you of all, eat it, but I can't eat it. I don't get to eat as much of it. If you make me food, I'll like it. I'll like it right now. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm only amazed because of our, you know, our tastes aren't altogether that different. But in this case, with a band that we both enjoy... And appreciate and like a lot. Mm-hmm. Your favorite album is well. It's not the. They're, they're, it's not my least favorite by them because whatever they did just last <laughs> everything was horrifying. Was bad. Yeah, that was bad. I just don't like it. Okay, well, whatever. Uh, it's from 2013. Uh, Bowie has a brief vocal cameo in the title track, and in spite of the fact that he sings for I don't know less than a minute, like he just blows. Uh, what's his name? I can't remember the lead singer's name. Wayne Butler. Yeah, just blows him out of the water as a vocalist. It was one of the Butlers. All right, number 10, the actual number 10. It's TV on the radio's Return to Cookie Mountain from 2006. Right. Uh, Bowie championed a lot of hot and up-and-coming bands at the time, including TV on the radio, Arcade Fire, mm. and Deerhoof. Mm-hmm. And Bowie sings backing vocals on one track, and it's good. Great. All right, 
Back to you, to the actual Creamy Middle. All right, so Creamy Middle. Number, the 33 best Bob Dylan album, by my estimation, is Shot of Love from 1981. Yet another 80s stunner. This is the third uh, in the Christian trilogy. It was about... And the I sixth think... 80s album in a row. <laughs> yeah. Preceded uh, by one from 1990. 1990, so basically, the same, the same run. And it's basically the 80s. I mean, it sounds like it was made in the 80s. It was made in the 80s. I was going to say, it might have been made in yeah. the 80s if it's 1980. Uh, so Shadow Love was the third of the Christian trilogy. It is uh, not the best one. Um, it was also about 35% not Christian trilogy. Uh, he started moving away a little bit from that, um, and he would he would break from it uh, altogether when he did Infidels in 1983, as we talked about. So there's two good songs on this one. I like to, I like to think, in listenability, you know, I, I like to think of listening to an album and finding those nuggets, you know? If it's a bad album by one of Just your favorite some, artists. some tasty nugs. There's got to be some tasty nugs. Now, some of these in the bottom five, they didn't have any tasty nugs. <laughs> no. <laughs> those nugs were bad. They were rancid. They were bad. But there's a couple tasty nugs on Shot of Love, uh, mostly because they're well-written songs, mm. not produced to my liking. Mm. Um, so if you hear the song Every Grain of Sand off of Shot of Love, you get kind of a reedy you know, nasally Bob Dylan performance that's nonetheless sort of effective. But then you hear Emmy Lou Harris sing it, and you're like, well, this is one of the best songs I've ever heard, especially since it concerns, you know, spirituality and Christianity, and uh, it, it makes it makes for a great song. So that's on there, and uh, but it just doesn't sound wonderful. So that's yeah. Shot of Love. Cool. Hey, number nine on the uh, collaborations or the guest appearances is Scarlett Johansson's 2008 album, Anywhere I Lay My Head. Hmm. So this is a covers album entirely of Tom Waits songs, except for one of original, which is so strange, what? like it's such wild. a strange concept. It's way better than it has any right to be. Okay. Let's just say that. Produced by Dave Sitek and three members of TV on the radio and the IIS and other people. I don't remember. Uh, Boyd is backing vocals on two different songs. Um, they presumably got together because they actually appeared in a movie earlier in 2000, the 2006, 2006 film The Prestige has Scarlett Johansson and mm, David Bowie in it. Bowie movie. plays on Nikola Tesla. Mm -hmm. I don't think they actually share any scenes in it, but that's all right. That's fine. Uh, my 32nd best album by Bob Dylan is Triplicate from 2017. That's the album's so nice, they named it thrice. <clears throat> they named it thrice. <laughs> the album's so nice, <laughs> they named it Triplicate. <laughs> because it's three albums. Because they took the album and they photocopied it two times. That's right. And you can't tell the difference. You can't tell me that you can tell the difference. <laughs> I beg you to tell me what's different about them. They're supposed to be in themes, the three albums are. Um, and I don't remember it's what all those the, themes they're are. Just, they're themes, they just all have the same theme. But they're, all, they're all the same theme, which is stultifyingly gorgeous arrangements of songs that everyone will forget because they're really, really old and they didn't have any distinguishing features about them whatsoever. So, you know, I'm looking around for some tasty nugs here, but all these nugs on Triplicate are tasty. They just blend together. Like the chef, the chef didn't make any of them any different. Mm, so it's like, mm -hmm. it's good, you know, mm -hmm. but then you eat 30 of them. 30 it's a boule base with one ingredient. Yeah, it's a boule base. It's good. I mean, it's probably just salt, you know? Salt's good. <laughs> Everyone loves salt. Everyone loves salt. <laughs> you know? You know what's wrong with you if you don't. But, you know, when when pressed to tell to say what was wrong with it or why you didn't appreciate 30 tasty nugs <laughs> that tasted like salt, you might say, well, I just... Where's the MSG? I don't know. Where's, <laughs> where's the cinnamon? I don't... <laughs> Give me something different here, Bob. And, of course, um, compounding. And he said no. 
Bob said, no, <laughs> no, this is the fifth album in a row, <laughs> basically, in which I am doing old Frank Sinatra covers. Um, I think it was a cosmic joke, but it wasn't super funny. <laughs> it was him. <laughs> I hope so. I hope somebody enjoyed it. All right. Number eight is Iggy Pop's Blah, Blah, Blah. Oh, blah, Blah, Blah. From 1986. It's uh, Iggy Pop. I don't know much about his 80s career. But it's it's a shiny pop '80s period album from Pop. I'm just saying pop a lot. Pop, it's right. pop, pop, uh, pop. It's been called the best Bowie album of the '80s, uh, ha, which ha, ha, ha. is, except for the fact, it's completely ignoring Scary Monsters from 1980. Oh, it might be true. It might be true. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he actually was more invested in this than he was in like, Let's Dance or Definitely Tonight. It's still not very good, but it's okay. It's co-produced blah, blah, with blah. David Richards, but the boy produced it. And uh, Bowie did some backing vocals on that bad boy also. On that blah, blah, blah. That blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Terrible album title. I don't see how that's going to make it, you know, through the ages. Well, it did. So that's all right. And here we are talking about it. (laughs) 35 years later. (laughs) All right. Back to the Creamy Middles. The 31st best album by Bob Dylan is from 1973, and it's called Dylan. This is the the album, as uh, sharp-eared listeners will remember, that Bob did not want to be... Uh, released Columbia. He he opted out of uh, a new record contract with Columbia Records, and they were like, "We'll show you. We'll put out your worst album ever, um, and try to." So it's like you have not seen my worst yeah, at all. Yeah, no, you haven't. I mean, we're still in the seventies. <laughs> Just here, wait. Guys. You have no idea guys, what I can do. Guys, dial me up in nineteen eighty when I'm under this huge <laughs> contract with you, where I have to release an album every year. Huh? <laughs> Let's go to the future. Anyway, this is uh, this is universally considered his worst album, but I think everyone's just like mad about it rather than actually, mm. you know, they're having... they're still disappointed. They haven't gotten over it. Yeah, it's still like uh, it's still exorable to people. Um, I, I, it is bad. It's very, very bad. Um, it has covers of uh, Paul Simon's "The Boxer" and "Big Yellow Taxi" uh, by Joni Mitchell. Um, there's lots of like backup vocals and and weird arrangements and stuff like that, but it's at least semi listenable. There's a couple mm. of good songs. The Nugs, mm. the Tasty Nugs, or Marianne. Spanish is the Loving Tongue, which is something, a song that he kind of was covering from himself um, from years before. So um, I think everyone just hates it uh, for what it represents and where it was at his at that point in his career. But it's not that bad, but still pretty bad. Yeah. All right. Number seven of uh, guest appearances is Iggy and the Stooges. We Iggy Pop again. Iggy and the Stooges, wow. Raw Power. It's so now from 1973. It's the final Stooges album. I think they came back together and officially made one, you know, decades later. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> we don't, we don't talk that. about Everyone those. Um, Bowie helped Pop to get a record deal in the label in the first place. Um, and then Bowie was going to produce it, but Pop chose to do it himself. He didn't want Bowie to do it at the time. Um, so ultimately, uh, Bowie just mixed it with Pop, but Pop did a really terrible job at recording it. Old Iggy. He, uh, Sweet he took what, you know, 12 or 16 track or whatever. He used three tracks to record oh, the entire album. Iggy. Getting back to basics. Yeah, a, so like, way. I think it was guitars and, was it, bass and drums were on the same track and the guitars mm-hmm. on one and then vocals on the third one. That was it. <laughs> so uh, they mixed it in two days. <laughs> like Bo- or Bowie Helm did the best he could to help, but you know, there's just nothing to mix. There's not much you can do with oh, with that little yeah. of material. He's like, what's this button? Never mind. <laughs> I know what this button does over here. Let's this push is, that one again. This is the record button. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Awesome. There you go. Awesome. All right. Uh, we're on number 30 now for Bob Dylan's albums. It is uh, Fallen Angels from 2016. Uh, hot off the heels of the first... Uh, 
Frank Sinatra tribute album, which is coming up later. This is the second from 2016 um, Frank Sinatra tribute album. There is one tasty nug. It's called It Had to Be You, and the only reason it's tasty it to be. is that I actually knew that song before I heard it. Um, I really, I kind of like some of the iconography about it had this to one. Be you. There's like a, a spider web on the front, and his picture's not on there. And then, but the on the on the back, he's like, he's like at a dinner party or something, or at a supper club. And there's like a very buxom, you know, woman sitting next to him, younger lady sitting next to him, and they're all kind of in, um, they're all kind of in costumes, like fancy costume garb. Like it gives mm. an air of. You know, a little bit of danger to the whole thing. But again, it's just... It's not just sleazy because he's 75 at that point? I, yeah, it's, it's kind of sleazy. Okay. Just checking. But kind of cool and sleazy at the same time. <laughs> like a Hugh Hefner kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, a little Hugh-ish. But it's like Vincent Price. You're like, that's it's disgusting. Like, but it's kind of cool. I, I, mean, Vin, I mean, Vincent Price crossed with Hugh Hefner. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I'll take two. I'll take, I'll I'll take, take, I'll take three. Give I'll me a take triplicate. Two. Can we get a triplicate? Give me a triplicate of that. <laughs> Next time we're at the bar. And we have never gone to a bar together almost. A couple times. Uh, let's order a triplicate. <laughs> Of something. A triple shot of something. A triplicate. Give us a triplicate. Anyway, uh, there's not a lot to say about Fallen Angels, because I already said it about triplicate, and I'll say it again (laughs) later about Shadows in the Night. That's a sneak peek. All right, number six, Dana Gillespie's Weren't Born a Man. Uh, came out in 1974, probably. The some starts to say 1973. Not sure. Whoa, what? It's Dana's third album and first since 1969. Uh, Bowie and our old pal, Mick Ronson. Mick! Produced and played on five songs for her in 1971 to help her get a record label, record deal. She instead went into the theater and uh, originated the role of uh, Mary Magdalene in Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, wow. Boom. Hey. All right. Um, and so this five tracks just kind of languished. Okay. Come on, Jake. <laughs> Sorry, you keep saying things that make me... Those five songs you just said Mick Ronson and I she blacked took, out. She took two of them and remixed them for her 1974 album. And uh, notably includes the original version of the song Andy Warhol, oh, which Bowie wow. recorded for Hunky Dory very close to the same time they recorded it for Dan and Gillespie. That is a also notable nug. Dan and Gillespie was in a relationship with Bob Dylan and with Bowie. Oh, nice. Possibly in the same year. Wow. We talked about this Incredible. at some point. And also notable Mick Ronson. No, Danny Gillespie wasn't with Mick Ronson. He was just on it. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. He was yeah. Just, you made it sound just, just oh, for a second. Oh, sorry. There, no, like, no. As far as I know, she was never with Mick Ronson. Like the trifecta, just <laughs> the, that triplicate. It's too <laughs> much for me. <laughs> Dana Gillespie. Oh, all Dana. of our favorite people. Dana. Dana Gillespie. Dana. Thanks, Dana. Dana. <laughs> all right. Number 29 on my Creamy Middles list is Bob Dylan's eponymous record, Bob Dylan from 1962. Is that what eponymous means? Yeah. Just wanted to ask him for a friend. Yeah, tell your friend that that's exactly what it means. Self-titled. Hey, Jake. Yeah. That's what a poem means. You were the friend. Wait a minute. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that really circled back on itself. The snake ate its own tail, everyone. Uh, this is his self-titled debut from 1962. He famously uh, somehow scored a record contract with Columbia Records, who sniffed a little bit of a, a boom coming with the folk revival, and they wanted someone they sniffed right. hot and young to come on in there. And Bob responded by... Jake wasn't born yet, so I wasn't settled for Dylan. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't traveled back in time to rip off Bob Dylan before Bob Dylan was a thing. I'm still figuring out how to do that. To kill him as a youth in Minnesota. <laughs> Absolutely. Place. Yeah, still working on that. 
so he famously wandered in there in his little hobnail boots and his little newspaper cap. Oh, man. And he pulled out his little guitar. Oh, and he, he started was. playing, and he didn't know what he was going to play. So he just covered ten songs off the top of his old noggin. And uh, he left again, and everyone was like, what just happened? <laughs> this was after what? he sold his soul to the devil, right? The, oh, yeah. Well, okay, I thought so. Just uh, at least a year after that. Oh, okay, good. And little Bob Dylan just went on his way down oh, the street. Little guy. Little Bob, he was old guy he's making some jokes oh, and tipping sure. his cap, you know, putting out his little uh, his little coffee can for the change that passersby would throw at him. Oh, oh he's playing whiz. at the cafe. Wah! <laughs> anyway, it's an, uh, it's uh, it's it's not a wonderful start to the career. I mean, it was kind of a dud. It was it was uh, named Hammond's Folly, or actually Bob Dylan was named Hammond's Folly because the head of Columbia was John Hammond who had discovered like Frank Sinatra and a whole bunch of other people. Um, and yes. everyone was like, what is this? And Bob refused to go in. Like 20 minutes after he left, he was like, um, I'm past that. I don't want to, I'm not going to go in and re-record any of those songs or anything like that <laughs> anymore. Uh, luckily, things would get better, as you'll Kinda see later on. in this in this list. But that's Bob. Past. That's exactly that was twenty minutes ago. The most interesting song on it um, is "Baby, Let Me Follow You Down," which he would uh, he would sort of cover of himself and change around in later years to to better effect, including with the band on the nineteen sixty six world tour. So there yeah, you have cool. it. Number five guest appearances is get the stage. looks ready, Jake. I just turned on my amp. <laughs> Mick Ronson's first solo album, Slaughter on 10th Avenue. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty ace album. I'll tell you that. Okay, shape. cool. It is. I, I, so I Bowie doesn't actually appear on the album and the recordings, but he was at some of the sessions and he helped get things rolling. He has a solo writing credit on one song, one new song, and co-writing credit on two more new okay. songs. Yeah. This came out like right after the uh, pinup sessions. They kind of split, and this ended up being more unhappy later on. But it started out oh, not too unhappy. Oh. You know, I know, I know, I know. We've talked oh, about this. Mick. Things got unhappy, and they didn't, no. you know, get together for years after that. And then Bowie dropped him like a piece I of know. rotten meat. I know. But uh, like a lot of the same musicians that were on pinups are also on Slaughter on 10th Avenue. As well as some singles for Lulu. They just, he just, when he got in the studio at that point, Bowie just recorded like nine projects at the same time. He just went, went for, it. for it all at the same time. Yep. Yeah. 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 A lot of, <clears throat> a lot of cocaine power there. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. By that point, the cocaine was, was, was blowing. <laughs> the cocaine was drifting across <laughs> the studio like so many no, snow not, drifts. No, we, we got much worse than this. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, but I mean, started out. I think, I think the problem with the cocaine is that it initially, I don't know for how long, it initially gives you such a like, uh, creative drive. Yeah, yeah. It just keeps you, you going. Sleep, you can just so work that. all night and all day, and everything's great um, until it almost. I mean, that's here. what happened to me anyway. Is is that what you're doing right now? <laughs> Not yet. Anymore? <laughs> I, I don't know. know. <laughs> oh, Chaz. Don't you know? Now that you haven't done cocaine for thirty eight years of your life, I think you don't. It's have time. To. I know. I don't think you have to. I'm due. <laughs> I'm due for a cocaine problem. <laughs> You're not, Chaz. Oh, I'm here like, to... Just I'm like here, my hero. This, would, yeah, this is actually an intervention before you even have a problem. <laughs> this is an intervention. Oh. By the time David Boy was my age, he'd already given up cocaine. <laughs> oh, man, by the time... More than once. <laughs> by the time Dylan was my age, he had... had it was like his three-quarter life's crisis. He didn't know what was going on. He'd already, he'd already done blood on the tracks by this point. What have I been doing with my life? Anyway, about, talking about blood on the tracks. Yeah, talking about blood on the tracks, pretty much. Almost as good. Uh, okay, so twenty-eight on my list now with creamy middles is "Good as I've Been to You" from nineteen ninety-two. 
That is his first acoustic album after the disastrous 80s and 90s left him thinking that he might as well just quit. Or, and or, join the Grateful Dead as a member of Yeah, the well, I mean, these it's kind of the same thing. These were low, low times for Bob. And although the, the album itself is not wonderful, it represents a... Uh, a new a new direction a new old direction um, you'll notice that it came right after it came 30 years after his self-titled debut which was also an acoustic album full sure. of covers sure I can't help but think though that there's there's no direction home Jake there's there, no, you can't just return you can't you know, there's no direction home uh, like a rolling stone there's no direction home no direction home well he tried to find one by going back to his roots by saying I'm going not going home. to go he was sick of shooting himself home. in the foot by going into the studio and trying to make a studio album yep. anymore. Um, he had, didn't have any feet left. He had shot, him, a shot of love in the foot. He didn't have any feet left. He had shot them all off. <laughs> trying to shot get, the stumps yeah. multiple times. Yeah, this was get, after was his like feet knee. were in his mouth. <laughs> uh, first. Anyway, uh, the, the best song on this one is Hard Times, uh, it's, uh, which is a cover, a cover of uh, a, a very old song, a Stephen Foster song, which I like to sing as well. Um, it's a little slight. It doesn't have much of an edge or a point. This is the one with Froggy Went a Courtin' on it, mm-hmm. which I know is your favorite Bob Dylan song. <laughs> you know it, baby. Oh, six minutes of animals <laughs> fornicating together, trying to make little weird animal Just babies. Just as I always wanted it. Froggy Went a Courtin'. <laughs> all right. That's all I got on that. Right. Number four, Mott the Hoople, All the Young Dudes. All the young dudes carry the news. Recently referenced by None other than Bob Dylan on his most recent studio. Absolutely. Uh, it's 1972, Old Mott. Chaz, I just or, have to stop you there to tell you that Bob Dylan contains multitudes. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, that rhymes with all the young dudes. It does. <laughs> uh, Mott, in 1972, Mott were planning on breaking up, but Bowie didn't want them to for some reason. And Mott. he uh, first offered them, he wanted to help them like keep going. So he first offered them the song Suffragette City. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, no thanks, we don't want that. <laughs> Like, you turned down this Suffragette is a City? terrible song. <laughs> what is going on here? Some boy's like, okay, cool, cool, guys. I know all of you. I'll just write you all the young dudes instead, which is what oh he did. And, uh, and he gave that to them instead. And he yeah. produced it for the single, and everyone's like, hey, whoa, the song is going to be gigantic. And they're it like, was. okay, I guess we don't have to break up after all. And then Bowie produced the entire album, All the Young Dudes. And Mott's like, whoa, 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 whatever. Hooples. Hooples gather. <laughs> Hoople's come to me. We have something to discuss. <laughs> uh, there was no Maha. I don't know what that name means at the slightest. No clue. Uh, so Bowie also plays some uh, some saxophones on that album and does some backing vocals. And Jake, you know who else plays on the album? Mick Bronson. Mick number one. Mick, 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 Mick. Who will still make one more appearance on this list. Yeah, he's, he's not going to make an appearance on this list. Uh, no, he's only on the live album. He's only on the live album. He's only on the one tour. Uh, 27, Creamy Middles. Uh, Slow Train Coming, the original and by far the best of the Christian trilogy. Uh, Bob was very inspired. He went down to Muscle Shoals in Alabama, the famous recording studio where many, many uh, gospel and R&B acts, including Aretha Franklin and, and pretty much everybody else, had gone to record. He got a producer. Uh, he went down there with, uh, hot off his conversion, uh, his very spiritual conversion to Christianity. He had a bunch of good songs. He was very inspired. And he made, you know, I, I never, in years past, I haven't, like, loved this album. And, and as you can see, I don't love it now. It's 27th on my list. Yeah. Well, but it's a lot. It's a it's lot. It's a creamy middle. It's a lot better than what I 
than what I thought. And certainly mm-hmm. a lot better than what was to come. Um, the hot track for me is Precious Angel, which is the second track on it. Um, it has definitely some Mark Knopfler-esque sort of things. And I think Knopfler was there, actually. I think Mark Knopfler played on this. He was everywhere. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Anyway, it sounds just like him, so it's got it's it's got it's got to be that. But it's pretty slinky, pretty you know, nice R and B sound to it. And Bob was really you know when he when he gets a hold of a bone, like really goes for it. Usually the results are at least interesting. Yeah. So there hey, you go. Yeah. Uh, number three, we're getting up there, Jake. I'm almost ready for my cream middles. I know. I got three left too. Number three is Lou Reed's Transformer. This is also from 1972. This is probably a good time to remind everybody that Bowie recorded Ziggy Stardust and then produced All the Young Dudes (laughs) Mm -hmm. in the middle Mm -hmm. of touring and then kept touring and produced Transformer and then kept touring (laughs) and mixed Raw Power in the middle of touring and then recorded Aladdin Sane. Oh, my god! Still kind of in the middle of touring. Again, touring. what have you done with your life? And at the end of touring, (laughs) recorded pinups and also helped with Nick Ronson's solo album and recorded some singles with Lulu. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, and then he took a little time off actually after that. He took to do, a week off to do some cocaine. <laughs> so this he is hadn't uh, done enough. This is Lou Reed's second solo album and his big breakthrough co-production from Mick Ronson. Uh, backing uh, Bowie also did backing vocals and keyboards and some acoustic guitar. And album. Mick Ronson plays on it too and did a lot of the arrangements, including the arrangements of "Walk on the Wild Side." Walk on the Wild on the Side. Side. Yeah. All right, kick it, Jake. Oh, I thought you were talking about kicking in some more of that tasty bass line and walk on the wild side, but apparently you weren't. Twenty-six is the album Self Portrait from 1970. Now, sharp-eared listeners will. We'll, uh, we'll understand <clears throat> in the last time we did the bottom five list uh, exactly a year ago. I had self-portrait in my bottom five. Whoa, time. I don't remember that. Yeah, and I think I was just... That's I don't know, quite the jump. I don't, know what got, I don't know what got into me. I think it was looking at the rest of the creamy middles and just seeing exactly how bad, you know, about ten and more of them were. By, yeah. like, really studying the track list and seeing, you know, would I listen to this for any reason at yeah. any point? And I would listen to self-portrait for any reason at any point. Because it's got some good songs on it. There's like 30 songs on it, and it's a completely <laughs> baffling. And it's a complete, you know, piss take on, you know, everything at the time. He was he was actively trying to alienate um, fans. Which, to be fair, time. Jake, is a pretty good self-portrait of Bob Dylan. It is. It is. And I think that uh, it's he... It's an appropriate title. It, it also features uh, an actual self-portrait on the cover. Wow. He painted himself, Jazz, for that cover. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the song Wigwam is on this, uh, which makes the whole thing worth it. That song is hilarious and awesome. It's got a live version of Quinn the Eskimo from the Olive White, and uh, and a couple others that are good, and a whole bunch of them that are really bad and baffling. But it's at least fascinating. It's like it's like a fu- it's like watching Roadhouse or something. Like it's <laughs> funny bad. Roadhouse is and there's good songs on it. Right? Like there's For some all really the good reasons. songs. It's and so I I jumped it up to twenty six. Uh, you know the worst thing you can do is when you're Bob Dylan is to be sort of middling and boring, which he often is on his bad albums. And this is anything but. So that's why it's oh, at twenty six. All right, number two for our. I mean, I'm really getting like excited. I'm getting pumped up here. Number two is. Let's go. 
our long-awaited appearance of Iggy Pop to this list with Iggy Pop's Lust for Life from 1977. <laughs> we talked about Iggy Pop like eight well, times yep. already. <laughs> We're not done yet. Oh, man. Uh, 1977's Pop's second solo album, co-production uh, between Bowie and Pop and Colin Thurston, whoever that is. Uh, Bowie also played keyboards, piano, organ, and backing tracks, and he gives a co-writing credit on seven of the nine tracks, including the uh, amazing, you know, title track. And this is right in the middle, also that same year he recorded Low and Heroes. It came out in the same year. I just want you to know that I know Colin Thurston. Good. Good. Good guy. Real good. (laughs) One of the best men I've ever met. (laughs) We served together. Uh Yeah. I was in his wedding. (laughs) And he was in mine. Uh, all right, so twenty five here. We're getting we're getting to the point where we're going to start to actually trade albums. Uh, me and Charles. yeah, getting there. Almost uh, the criminals. Yep, we're almost there. So twenty five, and now I'm thinking I should have switched to this in self portrait because why? Um, Shadows in the Night was the first um, was the first uh, album that Bob Dylan did. It was in 2015 in which he did this funny thing where he covered all of these Frank Sinatra songs. I feel like we've and probably was like what? Have, have we mentioned this before? And they did it again, the and was like what? Or and they did it again as a triple up, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> no, everyone just didn't say anything. <laughs> everyone, they're too busy listening. Everyone started to think, "Well, this is just what he's going to do until he dies." Uh-huh. I think that's what people you were thought. thinking that. I, I, I was thinking that. It I was like, "Wait, you these start, are all post Tempest." You, you start know? thumbing back through, and it's like, "Wait, it's Tempest, the last real album." No, <laughs> but it wasn't. Spoiler but it wasn't. alert: it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, guys, came out last year. Get on board. His. 50th comeback. So again, Shadows <laughs> yeah. in the Night, the only thing I'll say about Shadows in the Night, and I don't even know that I would necessarily put it on instead of the other two Sinatra albums, uh, but that it was novel at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was cool, and it's like, oh, this counterculture hero is you know going back to Tin Pan Alley and, and sort of uh, you know revisiting these things that he like literally helped to destroy in the in the early to mid 60s um, that whole template of songwriting and recording and, and stardom and everything like that so that was kind of neat but it's still a little you know the good the his band is so good his band is just wonderful they sound so wonderful um and his singing is you know it is what it is uh, but it's just that it just doesn't have an edge to it there's no real mm. edge a lot of the songs then didn't they were they're pap you know mm-hmm. pappy pop pop mm. yeah now speaking of pop, all right, Iggy one is Iggy Pop again. <laughs> Wait, Iggy's making an appearance on this list. Iggy Pop, Iggy, the, the idiot. Uh, from 1977, Pop's first solo album. Uh, Bowie's sole producer in that. He also played keyboards, synthesizer, guitar, piano, saxophone, xylophone, and did backing vocals. And he has a co-writing credit on all eight tracks. <laughs> This is like almost just a Bowie album <laughs> with Iggy singing on it. Um, and again, this one, uh, he recorded this with Iggy Pop. Then he went and recorded Low. Then he went back and recorded Lust for Life with Iggy Pop. Then he went back and recorded Heroes. And oh. all that happened in, I don't know, nine months or something. So what have you done with your life? He did more in nine months than you will ever do. Man, that's... Than you and me combined. Right I don't there. know. I feel, like we're, I feel like we're. I feel like we're. I feel like we're good dads and husbands and stuff. Doesn't that? Does yeah. that count for something or not? Well, really? no. uh, Bowie eventually was one of those. I don't think he was one of those That's yet true. in 1977. He was. Yeah, he wasn't great to begin with. But no. he, got, he got a lot better. He was trying to help. He got a lot better. Trying to clean it up. I don't know if he got any there? kids. You know, clue. Well, probably. Probably a few out there. He didn't have any shirts. <laughs> we know that. Well, maybe he uh, <laughs> gave them to his kids. I don't know. 
<laughs> he just gave literally. him the shirt off his back. Literally the shirt off his back to his children. You know, the reason that Iggy Pop was never wearing a shirt is because he was constantly giving the shirt off his back to people. To people. That's what a nice guy. Before it even got onto his back, he was giving it off his back like, again. He took it straight from the rack at Nordstrom's and he just <laughs> gave it to somebody. And they were like, Iggy, where's your shirt? He's like, I don't need one. I'm going to Berlin. See you later. <laughs> Yep, that's exactly what happened. I can confirm all of that history is 100% that's a, accurate. It's a documentary waiting to happen. <laughs> all right. Oh, uh, no. All the right. first film from, movie, from BBD Studios will be me playing Bowie and Jake playing Iggy Pop. That's a buddy comedy of us in Berlin in 1977. A slightly doughier version of Iggy Pop. <laughs> and a slightly doughier version of David Mark. Without a shirt, though, still. Some sweet leather pants. <laughs> Recording the idiot. <laughs> recording the And then recording low. And then recording <laughs> Lust for Life. And then recording uh-huh. Lust. Uh-huh. That was the part I was born to play, baby. <laughs> the part I was born to play. All right. The oh. last creamy middle album from Dylan before we start alternating, right? Yeah. Was number 24 on my list. Um, this is an album that I've come to appreciate a little bit more since we talked about it on the episode uh, proper, and I don't remember when that was. But it's from 1978, and it's called Street Legal. I think at the time this is the album that I gave the BVD award to for album that I want to like more than mm, I actually do. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm starting to like it a little bit more. There are some there are some duds on there, and I think that's the real problem in terms of like programming a listening experience. Um, but... The songs that are good are pretty good. Uh, those include Changing of the Guards, which is the opening track. Good to have a good opening track. Uh, Senor, Tales of Yankee Power. And the final track, Where Are You Tonight? Question mark. Journey Through Dark Heat. He was a little <laughs> bit into he, he was a little bit into the parentheses thing at the time. Yeah. I mean, you know how that goes. Yeah. You don't just need one title for your song. You need like three. Mm-hmm. But you need to separate them somehow. So but also have them together. But also have them don't together pick one. with them no um, punctuation because that would be weird in a Except song. For parentheses. Except for where are you tonight? These are punctuation. Where are you tonight? Parentheses. Journey through dark heat. <laughs> and parentheses. Yeah. Um, I think this album sounds good. It it, it followed uh, it followed Desire, and Desire is an absolute stone cold classic. Um, and so I think it, it suffers a little bit from comparison, but, and he was also just lost. He wanted to be maybe Elvis at the time. He yeah, wanted to oh, be maybe, I don't know, Wayne Newton or something. He hey, had... can I get thrown a really quick anecdote of something I learned very recently? Yeah, about, about Bob ni- Dylan? About 1977 Bowie and Elvis. Uh, I guess so. Elvis asked Bowie to produce an album in 1977, what? and oh. then Elvis died before it happened. I had no idea. I only learned that I remember it. I read it really recently. It's something I never, an anecdote I never heard before. So who knows? It might have thrown through before it actually happened anyway. But Elvis officially asked Bowie to produce wow. an album for him That's in 1977. Shocking. And That's then shocking. They were in some kind of talks because Bowie was always a giant Elvis fan. They had the same birthday. I have some really tasteless jokes that I want to make, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. No problem. The listening public appreciates yeah. your not tasteless jokes. Yeah. Keep, keep them tasty, Jake. Keep them tasty. <laughs> keep them tasteful. Uh, okay. What happens now? How many? How many no, albums I'm, do you I'm, have? I'm at number twenty three. I'm at twenty three too. So, so if you go. say twenty, kick it. I'm okay, twenty three right now. I'm All right, in, do I'm it, man. Okay, All right. the, the actual creamy middles. Um, number twenty three is Black Tie White Noise from okay. nineteen ninety three. Yes. So um, those who are thinking about it will notice that this is the fifth in a row from nineteen eighty five tonight that, that we've already gotten to in their bottom six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Five of them in a row. Yep. Uh, this was a reteaming with Nile Rodgers, who produced Let's Dance yeah. with much better effect. Which basically made 
Let's Dance. Oh, it did. Totally did. Bowie phoned that album in, too. It's just Nile Roberts didn't, and he did an awesome job with it, and yeah. that's why it's a decent album. Hey, way to go, Nile. Tonight, Nile. Nile was not there, and, <laughs> Bowie, and Bowie phoned it in even harder, <laughs> and it ended up being one of his worst albums. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, it's still pretty slick and poppy, but it's a definite step up. It's a, you know, it's a comeback album after Tin Machine, post-Tin Machine. And, uh, it, it sets him up to do, you know, better things to come. All right. But it's still not amazing. Okay. I think it's worth noting as we continue this list that I am approaching the middle of my list, but Charlie's still at the bottom. I'm still at the bottom, yes. Yeah. So the tone here is going to swap wildly. Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe. You're pretty positive about the Bowie albums, even when they're bad. Well, I I think we talked. Dylan has more bad albums than Bowie does. I mean, he yeah, has more he's albums got more. total. So yeah, he's got more albums total. And I he think does. his worst albums are worse than Bowie's worst albums. I think that's a matter of opinion. Okay, we talked. Uh, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I gave my albums lower scores, but I think we had a we had a, we had a scheme in our minds. yeah we had a mis a mis uh, understanding or something. What else? That. Hey, I think we should go back and litigate that. What's I'd done like is do done. <laughs> Dylan won anyway. Why are you going to litigate this? Just, that's a joke. That was a tasteful joke. Uh, I didn't ask for tasteful. I asked for tasty. Oh, tasty? Oh, I can't be funny. That wasn't try. tasty. Uh, the number three, uh, try, sorry, 23rd album of Bob Dylan's uh, is Together Through Life from 2009. Um, he was on a run. Uh, his comeback run was continuing here, uh, starting with Time Out of Mind and... Uh, love and theft, and you know he was kind of making these bluesy records uh, that sounded great. You know his songwriting was kind of back up to snuff. Um, and together through life is kind of in my mind the worst of that run of albums that is kind of continuing today. Mm. Um, but it's still pretty good, and I I think that it's kind of a I think that it's kind of a grower, you know, rather than a shower. Um, I was listening to it. Uh, not in its entirety, but as I was researching this, and I like how it sounds. It's got a it's got a unique sound for a Bob Dylan album, even amongst his sort of bluesy uh, latter day albums. And that's that there's a kind of a New Orleans accordion kind of a thing that runs through. Um, he did co-write many of the songs, and I forget who the who the co-writer was. That's that's bad job by me. That is a bad um, job. I'm disappointed. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and so there's that too. It's not like a pure, you know, the most pure Bob Dylan album, but it's a great listen. And uh, and so that's that's why it's at 23. We're getting right in the middle here for me. Creamy middle. Creamy middle. It's, it's the creamiest. It's probably it's the creamiest so, middle. So creamy. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was Robert Hunter, by the way. Thank you, Robert Hunter from mm-hmm. the Grateful Dead. Gee whiz. All right, number 22 is David Bowie. Uh, this would be the first album named David Bowie, not the second one, because his first two albums are both named David Bowie. Uh, so 1967, it's his very first album. He's just a young rapscallion just mm. getting started. Just an urchin on the streets just of London. Just urchin in the streets. Oh, hey, we you listen to me play? Like, yes. I'm miming some... now. <laughs> yes. He wasn't, he hadn't gotten to mime yet. Will you go well, to no, my experimental theater production? <laughs> was he doing that yet? Uh, it was like towards the tail end of this whole period. Was he in like a weird anyway, commune situation yet? Was it? A weird commune situation? Like it was he living in an arts collective or anything No, like that, that was later on too. Okay. And they didn't actually live together. <laughs> that was an arts lab, Jake. Oh, it's a lab. Arts lab. <laughs> oh, forgive me. Yeah, you should. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's very like, I don't know, musical theater inspired and anyway, it's, it's a jarring listen. Because mm. it sounds nothing like anything else. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. It's just, you know, not amazing either. He was still trying on stuff. Trying he was. Out. And well, it just, it just, it's so much different than anything he ever did later on. 
Like the closest correlation I can come with is like uh, not correlation. I don't know. Similarity is uh, Kooks off of Hunky Dory. Yeah, I never liked that song. Well, it's like a whole album of that. <laughs> okay, great. More so. <laughs> more. It's kooky? like this kind of dance hall-y, musical-inspired yeah, yeah, yeah. uh-huh. stuff. Um, yeah. It's just very, it's very jarring. It's very interesting compared to anything else he did. Okay. Worth a listen, but, you know, not a lot of listens. I'm not going to do that. Number 22 is, uh, Chaz, are you ready? Are you ready? How's your heart feeling? Do you need something <laughs> inside of it? Do you need something in it? Do you um, need... I think you, I need, well... What I, do you think I, you need in your heart right now? I think I need a little Christmas. I think we all need a little Christmas. Oh, sleigh bells ring. Oh, you're listening. Really? I would like him to do a series so of, uh, of holiday-themed albums, like, like Easter, <laughs> Easter, in, Easter in your heart, in the heart. What about Arbor- Halloween in the heart? What about Arbor, Arbor Day? Day in the heart? <laughs> Fourth of July in the heart. I was reading. Uh, my favorite music writer right now is uh, Stephen Hyden, who writes for Up Rocks, but he writes a bunch of books and stuff. Um, he's also from heart. Wisconsin, huh? St. Patrick's Day in the heart is all I say. St. Patty's Day, <laughs> listening. <laughs> And he has Christmas in the Heart, I think, ranked last on his list. He put oh, out yeah. a list recently. And I think a lot of people do, but I don't know why. I mean, it just, as we discussed on the episode that we did about this, if you don't like Christmas music or if you think that it's just absolute, you know, pap, uh, then you're not going to like this. But mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious that Bob Dylan made an entire Christmas <laughs> album. And he also donated all profits to charity. Uh, we appreciate that. We though. like that. We like that. So yeah, it, wasn't you're a, listening. it wasn't a complete loss. But, like, when Christmas rolls around... You know, this is one of the ten. This is one of the ten Christmas albums we just we 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 throw on there. Yeah, and then must be Santa Claus is a that's a great stone song, cold yeah. Christmas classic. That video is great. So hey, everybody out there, just get it in your heart. Get that Christmas in your heart. And if you need help, Bob can help you. Bob has a whole album he can, about injecting Christmas right into got, your heart. He's got the medicine. He'll cure what ails you. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, nine uh, number. I almost said nineteen twenty-one, which would be ridiculous. ridiculous <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't say that. <laughs> number twenty-one is 1993's Buddha of Suburbia. Okay. So again, we're still in this in this run here of tonight to mm-hmm. now Buddha of Suburbia up to nineteen ninety-three. Yeah, I'm sensing a theme. So that's six in a row here. This one is more of a start of it, but you know, it's it's right. It's the same year as uh, Black Tie White Noise. But it's a little more experimental. He's got a little more stuff going on. He's starting to get into music and doing something more interesting rather than just trying to please this audience he didn't know what to do with after Let's Dance came around. But the experimental streak would come more to fruition and outside. This one just doesn't feel memorable to me. Like, I just, mm. I listen to it and go like, oh, yeah, I vaguely remember that track. It just, do you? It just doesn't grab you. <laughs> do I? In my opinion. Yeah. At one point, you. Bowie thought this was his best album, but he was wrong. <laughs> I think artists tend to think that about Yeah, in like the late Sometimes, 90s, he was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that was my best one. <laughs> But he was wildly incorrect. He didn't know what he was really, talking about. Really, really wrong. It wasn't his worst, but he was not. Uh, this all. episode of Bowie on Bowie, Bowie's wrong <laughs> about Bowie. I mean, at least, like, never let me down. He realized almost right away that that was bad. <laughs> he's that like, oh, crap. Decision. <laughs> oh, whoops. It was like a year, like, the tour ended, and he's like, oh, nuts. I mean, for him, Tin Machine. That's how distraught he was. Yeah. Yeah. He our was guys, dealing with his grief and, you know, our guys go in through, bad ways. Our guys go through some hard times ways. with their own personas. Number 21, uh, uh, best album by Bob Dylan now, is Planet Waves from 1974, hmm. recorded entirely with the band. Not a band. And what a band. And what a band. It's the band. Uh, he wanted to sort of make a comeback. Uh, this was like his 18th nervous comeback already since 
Blonde on Blonde so came out in 1966. So yeah, and the 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 point was to you know kind of quick dash record an album with the band and then go out on tour, um, which they did. They went on this huge, massive American tour um, that was a big deal and made made everyone like a billion dollars or something like that. Uh, but the album itself, they didn't really play any of the songs from the album on the tour. The tour was kind of a greatest hits package that everyone was delighted with, um, which sounded soulless and weird. Uh, but the album itself is a little bit of a underrated gem. I actually really like the album more and more as time goes on. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of wiry. It's a little bit it's a little bit thin, you know, in the sound. I don't know. They think they went and did it in like six days or something, or maybe yeah. last six hours. Who knows? Why not? They just just go for it, guys. Um, Everyone's like Bob. Hey. Record the song, and he's like, no, moving on. I'm already recording another album. I already did that. I'm already recording another album in the next studio. <laughs> Who are these guys? And they're like, we're the band. Like, why are you talking like you're from Liverpool? <laughs> we're the Beatles. Uh, and they uh, and they just kind of put it out, and it was, I, I, I don't know that it was. It made much of an impression, but I've liked it more and more as the years go by. This is the okay. one that has Forever Young, uh, mm. two different versions back-to-back, like a slower version. And then the version that's really, really famous. But that's one of his enduring songs, so it's fun to hear it on there. Hey, as hey. well as all the others. Hey, number 20 is 1973's Pinups. So this is, as mentioned on other occasions, a full album of covers of songs from less than 10 years ago at the time of recording. By <laughs> Bowie's almost contemporaries, including uh-huh. The Who, Pink Floyd, early Pink Floyd, Sid Barrett Pink Floyd, The Kinks, The Yardbirds, The Pretty Things, and more. That's the whole album, for some reason, in 1973. At the height of Ziggy Mania, he recorded like this vanity covers project you know, of songs he liked when he was a teenager. We talk a lot about how Bob Dylan just did whatever he wanted. That sounds yeah. like a that sounds like a flex this, to me. This sounds like a Bob Dylan movie. <laughs> this sounds here. like a flex. <laughs> no one can stop me from Yeah, no one can thing. no one can stop you. You get to right. a point where no one and can stop you. Yeah. And he just like took it. the little break and did it and then came back with Diamond Dogs after that and he's like, hey whatever, you guys just yeah, didn't everybody real cool quick. out, man. So it's pretty universally regarded as uh, Bowie's le- slightest album of the 70s, worst sure. album of the 70s. Not that it's bad, it's just there's not a lot there, and he doesn't do much improving on the original versions, but they're originally pretty good songs, so, you know, there's that. Word. Uh, number 20 for me is Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, uh, the soundtrack that Bob Dylan did for the movie of the same title, the Sam Peckinpah movie, uh, that he also Peckinpah's starred in. Uh, well, not starred. He he was a supporting, Dylan was a supporting character in that, named something weird. He never talked or something, and it's hilarious to see Bob Dylan like shooting down cowboys or bad guys, you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see riding that. around on his horse and such like that. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. It doesn't make me laugh. It does make me laugh. Turns out that's actually documentary film. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, the, he was the, arrested, but they couldn't get a stick. I really like the story of how the, the soundtrack came together. Um, we discussed it in detail on the episode that we did for 1973. Um, and I think that at the time it was not it was not regarded very well. Um, it was regarded as really kind of a toss-off. It does have Knocking on Heaven's Door on it, which is one of his biggest... Hey, hey, hey. We, don't t- we don't talk like that here. <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> Axl Rose does. We don't do the GNR bird. <laughs> That's the version that always pops into my brain, though. I can't, I, like, I can't escape it. I know, I've heard so the true. Bob Dylan version, but it does. It just always oh, it turns into the Axl Rose version. That song was a bigger <laughs> hit than probably any Bob Dylan song. Full stop. You know, so big. Uh, yeah, and but the rest of it is an ins- is is largely instrumental, and I really I really like it. It's very guitar centric. It's very homey. You know, it doesn't. 
it doesn't uh, it doesn't try for too much. And um, I've never I've never watched the entire movie, so I can't say how it sort of fits in there. <laughs> but that doesn't matter. As an album listening experience, I find myself putting it on quite often because it's just fun to have this kind of background music. It is. Yeah. All right. Number nineteen is David Bowie. From 1969, not 1967. <laughs> it was re- it was released in the UK as David Bowie. It was released oh, in the US at the same time as Man of Words, Man of Music. What? That's terrible. Oh, it's awful. Oh, I know. Man of Words, Man of Music. And then later re-released as Space Oddity, which is just a better title because it's easier to use and, you know, everything else. So it's clearly anchored based on that title, anchored by one of Bowie's best songs and his first like true masterpiece song. Um, the rest of the album is kind of middling. It's all right. Kind of, I mean, he's going for Dylan on multiple occasions mm-hmm. on this album. Yeah. And he came out of a super, like, uh, Simon and Garfunkel style folk period earlier. And then it kind of turned in. This is more of a classic Rocky folk inspired. It's got its moments, but its biggest moment is Space Oddity, which is the call first it song. Folk rock? Yeah, I might go so far mm-hmm. to say that, Jake. Mm-hmm. I, I just might. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to think we should have called this podcast Man of Words. Man of music. Men of words. Men of music. Men of words. Men of music. That's going to be our new production, Tandle. Next time it'll be be credited to Men of words. We'll get sued real bad for that. (laughs) I'm sure. What? By who? By about this album. By who? By this this alternate title of Bowie's album that has not been used since 1969. We dare you to come after us for our fictional publishing company called <laughs> Men of Words, Men of Music. That is not the exact name of the Bowie album, yeah. which probably isn't even copyrighted. couple different okay. vowels in there, guys. <laughs> and anyway, it's not going to happen, so come after us. <laughs> uh, my number 19 album is Tempest from 2012. Mm. Now, sharp-eared listeners will realize that this was in my top 10 just one Whoa. year ago. But now, I have to, I have to explain myself. So... It is. It, it ended up being sort of a oh, placeholder. It lost some mystique, didn't it? It it didn't lose its mystique. Some. I like I it's some. a spare, maybe some. It kind of did a little bit. I needed a placeholder for the for the Bob Growley Old Man album mm-hmm. because that's very essential for my top ten list. I need that. I need that in there because and Tempest was good enough, I think, to land there. But it ended up being a placeholder because Rough and Rowdy Ways just trumps it. In, in pretty much everything that it's trying to accomplish. Rough and Rowdy Ways is now the old man record that was promised. Mm-hmm. And so later on, you'll see, you'll see where that lands. Um, spoiler alert, it's in the top ten. Whoa. But Tempest got pushed back because it's not better than the albums that you're about to hear, you know, the albums that I'm about to list. But at the time, it was the, it was the best example I had of the I old see. man record. So All there right. you have it. That's Tempest. All right. Number 18... Let's dance. 1983. So this was, you know, it's, it was his best. Selling, it's his best-selling album of all time. Wow, I think it still is. Um, it's a slick dance fest. Featured the title track "China Girl" and "Modern Love." Those three songs are in a row. Oh, kicking mm. out the album. So Bowie oh, oh, kind of oh. phoned it in, but Nile Rodgers picked up the slack in a big way. Um, this album has a better reputation than I think it should. It doesn't. There's not much going on in the second half. Like, let's just be clear on that. Again, it's modern love. <laughs> China Girl, Let's Dance. Let's be clear about that. But those three songs are in a row to kick off the album. Yeah. It just explodes the front, the the first side. Sure, sure, sure. The second side's got a couple tracks, but it's, yeah, 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 it's all right. It's all right. And so there's just a lot of that it's all right kind of stuff. 
Um, but it messed him up for the 80s because he did this, and it was wildly successful, and everybody loved it. And everyone's like, hey, whoa. Hey, whoa, David Bowie. <laughs> hey, Dave. Hey, look, it's this guy in his 30s who is yeah. apparently a pop star. Who's a humongous pop Gigantic star. Gigantic pop star. Let's, uh, you know, listen to him like Michael Jackson and stuff. Yeah. That's just what they did to people back then. I know. I know. Whether, so, whether they liked it or not. But it, it is, you know, it's got some good moments in there. All right. Number 18 for me is Another Side of Bob Dylan. That's from 1964. Uh, initially, I thought that this would be higher on my list, um, but we're getting to the point, even 18, you know, within the top 20, uh, we're getting, it, it's getting hard to make some elbow rooms uh, for, for a lot of his, for Bob's best album albums. Um, but this one was just kind of a, it was a little bit, you know, even from the title on down, Another Side of Bob Dylan is a little bit, it's a little bit cheeky. Me. He's got another size, <laughs> especially since he had just done. How many sizes does he have? He had done the times they are a changing, which was a super serious, uh, super serious album with all of his protest music on it. So the other side is, you know, that he was still clinging to this kind of like jokey, not comedy songs or or anything like that, but he was still doing his bit of a shtick. You know, he still mm-hmm. had his kind of his kind of page boy you know man on the street shtick you know talking about world war three blues and all that stuff um there are some obviously some classic songs on there um but i can't i can't put it ahead of some of the other ones just because it's not as cohesive and i'm not sure that he this is kind of a record label play you know it's like let's just bob dylan just hit it big he just released the times they are changing let's 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 get on this hey bob you're writing a song every day can we put some of them on a new album (laughs) he's like sure and so they did all right. Number 17 is 2003's Reality. Reality. Uh, this is right in his dad rock face. This is his last album before the Davecation. Ah, ha, ha. Um, it's, it's a solid, good album. He was making solid. He kind of like accepted that he was, you know, an old guy making music and it was okay. Good. Like, this is all good. right. Good. Hey, Don't good have for to, him. you know, be a little more comfortable with yourself as a human being, which is great. Yeah. And uh, nice. this one's got some good energy. It came off of his tours for Heathen, and uh, yeah, that's about all I got to say. Hot dad rock phase. <laughs> oh, sweet, he, he was. He gave up smoking. Hot. He was, he was a yeah. hot dad. Yeah, he had a uh, haircut like Bon Jovi or Goo Goo Dolls, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like we all must have <laughs> some rippling abs, probably. Oh man. Oh boy. He was working out. You oh, could tell. Yeah, and the music was all right. <laughs> <laughs> And so was going. And so was If you going. know what I mean. I don't. Speaking as a hot dad myself. Yeah, well, me yep. too. Mm-hmm. Me too. A couple hot dads right here. Yeah. Just talking just about talking other about hot dads. <laughs> well, did like, Bob Dylan. Just like dads always be doing. Bob Dylan was never a hot dad, I don't think. <laughs> uh, he was that a dad. depends he on got, what you're into. That. that depends on what you're into. Because when he went and lived in uh, Woodstock yep. and he had a mess of kids. That was his hot dad face. I think that was his hot dad face. You know, settled See, down. Bowie, stop doing all the drugs. By the time he got his true hot dad face, uh, his oldest child was 30. Yeah, but we don't count that one. And his younger <laughs> child was one. <laughs> he was a hot grandpa dad. Valid. <laughs> Uh, man. All right. Well, speaking of, well, no, we're not going to do hot dad for 1993. Dylan was pretty far away from being any, anybody's hot dad. Uh, he was more of a craggly old. He was the hat, hot dad of my heart. He was an old craggly old guy in a top hat and a cane for uh, World Gone Wrong, the second of his acoustic covers albums from the early 90s that kind of got him back on track and sent him hurtling towards uh, recording Time Out of Mind and, uh, and getting him back to where he, he needed to be. 
Um, this is the far better of the two, in my opinion. These are these are more songs, you know, that deal with murder and death and and uh, some of the old murder ballads and stuff like that. And he and he sings and plays the 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 crap out of them. I think um, this, like the previous one, "Good as I Bend You," was recorded in his own studio. He has a studio in his garage in Malibu or something like that. You know, like almost everyone does. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I've got That's three, where we are right four. now. I got three or four of them. Yeah, which studio are we in yeah. right now? Yeah. Didn't we already explain? We're out. The Outdoor Studio. The Outdoor Studio. The Outdoor Studio. Um, you know, Blood in My Eyes is, a, is one of my favorite songs on here. It's just, it's really, it's really kind of more raw. Um, his guitar playing is real good. Uh, he, also, he also introduced kind of an aesthetic on this one that he didn't have on the last one. Um, the last one on the front, good as I've done to you, he looks like uh, drunk Adam Sandler, like middle-aged Adam Sandler. <laughs> yes, he does. And on lot, the back, a he's, it's a shot of him playing live where he's wearing a leather vest with nothing underneath. Just rocking. Just, which, is, which ironically is what both of us are wearing right now. <laughs> in our outdoor studio. <laughs> in Malibu. <laughs> but this one, rest. this one, he kind of he puts on, he kind of puts on some, uh, some kind of gothic uh, look. He's got like an old... Undertaker's suit with a with a tie, you know, one of those ones that looks like a bow tie on top, um, but then it has the long strings coming down. Oh, string tie, string tie. Yeah, thank thank you. you, thank you, appreciate that. Uh, he's got the top hat. He's got the cane. One of the videos for one of the songs, he's like just wandering around London, I think, mm-hmm. and nobody knows what's going on. They're like, wait, is that Bob Dylan dressed as a 19th century Undertaker? <laughs> yes, it is. Let's follow him. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. It has a it has a cool aesthetic. It's the first time he was cool in I don't know ages. Since the Do you think he was inspired probably. by the WWF wrestler, The Undertaker? Was I think, probably right around that same period. I think period. so. I think so. <laughs> or was maybe the wrestler inspired by him? Mm-hmm. Nope. I think it's the other way around. I think, <laughs> no, no I, think you, I think you really hit the nail on the head. <laughs> uh, uh, Bootleg Series Volume 27, uh, uh, 28 is going to be... the feature uh, the, under- the Undertaker. Undertaker wrestler in the studio with Bob. <laughs> the Undertaker influence. <laughs> Oh, I really wonder when the Undertaker uh, wrestler was uh, what started being around here. To the point where I'm going to try to find it briefly, but then give up. I'm not sure yeah. that oh, this oh. is a road worth going down. <laughs> he started in 1990. Yeah, great. So Bob Dylan was clearly, <laughs> I mean, as we've learned. Three years before Bob I mean, Dylan. I don't think there's any controversy about it. I mean, Bob Dylan was very much influenced by the WWE wrestler, The Undertaker. Moving on. <laughs> oh, that, you're right, you're that right. That did be right. Uh, number 16 is 1997's Earthling, Earthling, which is a really great album. A, a cover of him in this British flag coat Ooh. looking over the green hills of the Emerald Hills of England. <sighs> oh, the Emerald Hills. Oh, this is Ireland, but that's okay. It's his flirtation with drum and bass. It doesn't go like all in, but it's there. And a surprisingly strong set of songs. I think that like, this won the BVD award for uh, album that I liked, like that improved the most of my listening for the show. Okay, that I liked the most. Yes, more. that's right. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, and includes a couple of his latter day semi classic tracks, including "Little Wonder" and "I'm Afraid of Americans." I'm afraid oh, of Americans. It is a good one. Uh, that was my uh, probably second entry into David Bowie. Well, beyond the classic, you know, world. beyond the like years of classic rock stuff that I'd listened no, to. He didn't have like, a lot of hey. hits at that point. That was like a somewhat hit. And Trent Reznor 
Yeah, and re- I was in the Nine Inch. The, I was in the Nine Inch. The single was re- the, the official right. released single was remixed. By yeah, Nine that's Inch. what I'm saying. I was like, I remember reading about that in Rolling Stone and stuff. What like, I have there was David they, they released an entire uh, album length CD and probably vinyl too of uh, remixes by Trent Reznor of that song. It's oh, yeah. six different remixes, and they're so incredibly different that it actually yeah. is interesting to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was doing a lot of that back then. I remember it he, was wi- They're wildly different. They're so different. He put out that song, The Perfect Drug. He put out, like, eight remixes of that, too, that were all different. Like, some of them are basically ambient. It's really... It's cool. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Trent Reznor, I think he's going Trent places. Trent Reznor is in the, he's in the uh, video from Afraid of Americans, too. Yeah, I remember that video. He's afraid of America. Well, he is an American. Yeah, well... So Bowie's afraid of Bowie's him. Bowie's afraid of him. Mm-hmm. Boy's, good reason. Boy's basically in America. He lived in America more years than he lived in the United States. Or he lived in uh, England. Did you know that Trent Reznor almost caused the end of polite Western society with his music? I do remember that, yeah. You remember? I remember mm-hmm. a lot of pearl clutching. Mm. Those pearls were clutched. And, <laughs> and monocle popping. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> no! Uh, speaking of monocle popping... <laughs> yes? Number 16 in Bob Dylan's... Uh, best albums is from 2006. It's called Modern Times. Bing, 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 bing. This is I regarded at the time as being like a very solid entry um, in his in his catalog. He was on a good run. As we've oeuvre. Talked about. Yeah, you know, he was just in my mind then. He was just putting out solid albums. Yeah, but I think this one, and it's true, but this one, this one kind of rises above the rest as I listen to it again. Um, it's just it's it's almost all killer and almost no filler he he will on occasion and by that i mean every single album past love and theft he will put just a straight ahead 12 bar blues in which he sings for like nine minutes um about something who knows <laughs> who what knows it is what? who knows what it is in his band you know he doesn't allow solos or any sort of uh you know stepping outside the lines in his band so it's just Except when mick ronson was on board yeah so but this that's is... how he didn't make it to the album yeah you know? i mean like, i'm talking he's a loose cannon those I mean, licks don't you know mick Mick Ronson is long gone by this point. Well, yeah, he unfortunately long. He's in deceased, heaven. Yes. He's in heaven. Uh, you know, looking down a little bit disappointingly at Bob Dylan's decision not to let any of his hot crap band members Just solo layer, at all. Layer tasty licks. Yeah, over everything it's like, inside. hey guys, can you at least layer some tasty licks over this twelve bar blues? And <laughs> Bob's like, no, like, no. <laughs> no, no. I have it up. Go back to. I haven't allowed it yet, and I'm not going to allow it now. Uh, so anyway, there's a little bit of boredom, I guess, is is how it ends up being. Even though, um, even though by this point he's Bob is like well, well into his uh, you know copyright infringement um, phase. You know, <laughs> so he's, he's he's grabbing the best lines from everyone else and just shoving them into these blues songs. Uh, but other than that, he still he kind of uh, takes a little bit of this old timey music. Uh, there's a song called Nettie Moore on there, which is really good. Um, and it's a better, it's it's a much more profound listen, I guess, than when I originally thought. And that's why it's number 16 on my list. All right, number 15 is 2002's Heathen. This is uh, also in the dad rock phase, but uh, this one's got a nice kind of dark undercurrent under it. Um, some of the songs are really quite, like, dark. Not entirely back, front to back, but it's got some really great songs in there. He does some pretty gutsy covers. It covers the Pixies, which is, you know, something notable. This is still 2002, and still, apparently, a lot of people don't know who the Pixies were, even though they've been gone for, like, ten years at that point. This was pre-their, like, resurgence in popularity. Really? I thought that, uh... Fight, probably, I think I thought, it was right around then. I thought Fight Club took them Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Relatively. Well, that's probably right around there, anyway. Or at least that one song. Anyway. Um, it's also got a great single yeah, on there with Slow Burn, which is a really good one on there. 
Um, so a very great cover to a really moody cover on it, and also, um, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it then. Yeah. All right, number fifteen for me is Nashville Skyline from 1969. Um, this is when Bob put on his extremely weird, um, <laughs> it really uh, is, croony voice for no reason um, that anybody could discern. And just... <laughs> Uh, it goes on like that. I know. For a cool 28 minutes. <laughs> that's how, that's how long National Skyline is. Album, not one song. Yeah, people hated this. Our Bob Dylan fans hated this when it came out. Um, I was not there in 1969, so I didn't, I didn't really... You know, it's probably like Wilco or something when they put out Sky Blue Sky for Dylan fans. Um, had a big hit on it. He, went to, he actually went to Nashville... Uh, nobody knew what was happening. Probably not even him. Um, but now, I think this is his ultimate, you know, a little bit like self-portrait, but way, way better and way shorter. Um, <laughs> which helps. Which, which helps out. <laughs> uh, this is his So so Bad It's Good album. It's just, it's just great. And he has the duet with Johnny Cash to, to begin it. Yeah. Girl from North Country. I've listened to that one. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people have, have Chess. I have. Well. I think literally millions of people have heard <laughs> okay, that song. Okay, great. <laughs> No, I may have listened to the whole album. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's because it's 28 minutes. You can eat your lunch in the time it takes to listen to that bad boy. Number 14 is The Next Day from 2013. This is Bowie's big comeback after the the Dave Cation. Uh, His first album in almost 10 years. Wow. And uh, it ends up sounding like it could have come out like two years after the last one instead. He didn't, like, make a big swift shift in sound. Um, that would come afterwards for Black Star with his final album was a big shift in sound, but it's just uh, it's really well put together. It's uh, uh, it's dead rock revisited, but you know it's stately and it's it's well written and well sung. His I voice mean, is great. Twenty thirteen is you know stately rock heaven basically. It's true. National and all this stuff are going on. Yeah, you can't. At least he didn't take a wild swing and miss. No, well, no, no, he did that at other times. And then he got ready to take a wild swing in Blackstar and hit it out of the park. Hit a home run. Mm-hmm. I know. And then it died. I know Bowie was fond of baseball <laughs> metaphors. <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> he stole second base. <laughs> Number 14 on my list is The Basement Tapes from 1975. I think some people would have this like in their top five. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's altogether like an entirely a Bob Dylan album. Mm. Um, the band is on there, and there was some shenanigans where mm. um, the band actually do uh, you know almost half the songs to begin with, and they may have gone back because uh, these are songs all recorded supposedly in 1967 um, in Woodstock, New York, during the Basement Tapes, uh, the infamous Basement Tapes thing. And so this is, as you'll know, note about eight years later, and there could have been some shenanigans with Robbie Robertson uh, going back and doing some overdubs on these supposedly oh. pristine. Songs. Oh, right, I mean, right, as right. it is, there are. It's just chock full of classics. It's really fun. Um, it basically invents like a weird little subgenre of music, Americana music. Um, you know, depending on how hyperbolic you want to get about what it invented or what it introduced. It I want to get the most influence. hyperbolic in the entire universe. All right, so reshaped American history. <laughs> Thank you can go you. with that because <laughs> that's how it gets sometimes. <laughs> um, looking at you, Grill Marcus. And uh, so I, 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 there's nothing, there's nothing to say that it's not an absolute classic. I mean, we are within the top fifteen, but you know, it's not an entirely yeah, Bob these, Dylan I project. Mean, these either, guys so. in the top fifteen, like we're we're looking pretty yeah. big here. And this is basically a compilation. It's not a really an original album. Yeah, so yeah. That's why it's at fourteen for me. Yeah. Number thirteen, outside from nineteen ninety five. 
Um, this is a big experimental wild loose rock opera thing about the end of the century <laughs> and some murders done as like as an art piece and maybe being investigated and there's a minotaur involved. Aliens? And I don't think there's any aliens. Well, there's a song called Hello Space Boy. Uh, aliens. Which is another hit. <laughs> Space. Um, Brian Eno, Return to the Fold, produces uh, this. Brian. His, first, his Brian. first collaboration with Bowie since 1979. He came to be dictatorial and he succeeded. What are you even talking about, Jake? Your <laughs> poorly founded opinion of Brian Eno that we've, I thought, destroyed another I won't let it go. Something. They're still around for some reason. Anyway. I won't be changed. Um, it's also interesting because it started out as a much more avant-garde, strange album that uh, he had no record label and made this album full of 20-minute long, meandering, weird oh, yeah. avant-garde songs. The strangest things he ever did. What want to do. And uh, no record label would release it at the time, even though he's David Bowie. <laughs> so he had a complete, he completely remade it into Outside instead, and there's still dreams, dreams that maybe dreams. that early version called Leon will be released, maybe in this possibly fictional era five box set covering 1983 to Tesla. There's hopes of that, Jake. Hey man, I'm I hoping hopes of that. I'm, I'm hoping for, right now. I'm gonna forget whatever it is you just I'm said. But I'm hoping. <laughs> and dreams, mm. hopes and dreams. Yeah, about yeah. dreams. Yep. Yes, yeah, yep. Hopes Great. and dreams. Great. Uh, number thirteen on my list is New Morning from 1970. So right after uh, Nashville Skyline came out, uh, Bob Dylan decided to re release Self-Portrait. Everyone literally just swore under their breath for the next four months until he returned with an actual <laughs> album literally. called New Morning. They may have been literally screaming literally. swear words. That's all they were doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, New Morning came out. It's an album proper, but it also represents kind of a, a, a little bit of a step forward. Um, it's his first kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It's a rock album for sure, but it's got a little bit of a soulfulness on it. There's some, there's some horns and stuff like that on there. Um, he's writing more personally at that time. The Man in Me is on there, which would go on to be on the Big Lebowski soundtrack, so that's why everyone loves that one. It's also got an incredibly terrible track called If Dogs Run Free, which is un it's unbelievable. We listened to it in the car on the way here from the airport. Uh, I made the kids listen to it. Um, and uh, it's Tough a love. scat love, jazz everybody. song about how dogs are free, then why not we? Literally that. It's like six minutes long. It has no... It's, it's amazing. It's an amazing misstep. And it kind of fits right... And the rest of the songs are just fine and good and really listenable. Uh, it's got If Not For You on it, which is uh, George Harrison would cover just later that year to, to, to good effect. So Bob was back on New Morning. All right. My number 12 is The Man Who Sold the World Whoa, 1970, 12. which is a great title for an album, even though he wanted to call it The Metropolist. Yeah, I'm glad he went. And they uh, they made the record label made him not use that, that, the name. <laughs> Sometimes you got to listen to the Metropolis. record label, man. <laughs> Metropolist. Uh, it's Bowie's, Bowie's first great album. Yeah. There's a couple of duds on it. It's not 100% consistent, but it's his first great album, I would say. Um, tracks like All the Mad Men, Width of a Circle, which kicks it off, which is a nine-minute long, epic guitar. Tasty. This is his first album Tasty. with Mick Ronson. Ah, Mick! Uh -huh. Mick, now that's Ronson why it's good. did uh, some of the arrangements, too. The song, you know, the title track, Man Who Sold the World, the Superman is on there. It's, it's a great one. None of those albums, none of those songs were singles, but they're all great. Great, and great, great. Uh, it's a weird place in his discography, too, because it comes right after Space Oddity, which is kind of folky folk rock. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, then this is his big, crazy, wild, uh, heavy rock. And then he goes back to Hunky Dory after that. <laughs> and I just it's just its own little island in his discography. It's the heaviest album he did until Tin Machine, hands down. 
Bowie does what he wants. Yeah. And he did it. Yeah. Uh, number 12 for me is The Freewheeling Bob Dylan, 1963. Um, his second album, maybe, uh, you know, on the short list of anybody's best second albums. It uh, catapulted him to fame. It had Blown in the Wind on it, um, as well as many other songs that I like a whole lot better than Blown in the Wind. Uh, he starts to, uh, he got crap later for turning electric, but there's actually some electric songs on this album. Nobody what? talks about that, you know. Um, we all forgot about that conveniently. Exactly, we totally Judith. did. Wait a minute. Uh, Girl from the North Country is on here. Uh, so many, so many good ones. Um, it's got the iconic album cover. Um, and I listened to this probably a thousand times. No, a hundred times maybe. Maybe more in my life. It's one of those albums, you know. Let's get more hyperbolic. Yeah, a billion times. <laughs> one billion listens. Uh-huh. And, uh, you. you know, it's one of those albums where you, you know which ones to skip and you know which ones to listen to. and mm-hmm. You know when to hold them. You know when to fold them. You know them. when to fold them. You know when to hold them. You know when to land down. <laughs> Kenny Rogers. <laughs> We're getting towards the end. We really are. For good reason. We're getting loopy. It's happening. That's where it is. All right, number 11, <laughs> my final creamy middle, and then we'll do a quick rundown of the top 10 again, yeah. which we've done, noting yeah. any changes. And number 11 is 1975's Young Americans. Woo! It's the debut of Bowie's Super Soul, period, angered by such gigantic classic songs as Young Americans mm-hmm. and Fame. Mm-hmm. It is horribly marred fame, by a terrible fame, cover of Across fame. the Universe that embarrassingly features John Lennon himself. And, and Lenny's uh, having a tough time. I think I probably would have given this a, a, a like it would have been higher if that song was not yeah, included. It's just that bad. It's that bad. It, it's in it my opinion the up. worst song he released in the 1970s. And there's nothing even funny about it. It's no, not funny. It's just, bad. it's just bad. It's just like what were you thinking? Why did this happen? <laughs> Why did this come out of the studio? Fame, Why? sure. Because fame, fame was also recorded with Lennon. Those two things were recorded at the same time. Okay. But Bowie had actually finished the album before recording those two tracks, and its producer Tony Visconti had gone back to England. And he's like, whoa, John Lennon, let's do some songs. <laughs> hey, John. Did. Hey, John. He's like, oh, I'm on cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I am right now. <laughs> and they uh, recorded fame. Well, they're both doing lots of cocaine. Just rocked out of their minds. He's like, wait, I thought you were Harry Nielsen. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> That's a guitar. Did I write across the universe? <laughs> Where's Yoko? All right, Jig. Yeah, uh-huh. Kick it. All right, 11. Number 11. The last thing I have to explain. Love and Thap from 2001. Uh, released on September 11th, 2001, if that date means anything to you. Um, it was sort of seen, you know, as one of these weird things. The Wilco album, uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, was seen this way, too. It was sort of seen as sort of a salve about the event of uh-huh. 9/11, even though it was written and recorded well before the yeah. actual event, you know, one of those one of those deals. Bowie's Heathen got the same. They could come out to its own too, but it was also mostly recorded before. Yeah, but it was seen it was entirely as a, written before. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to like Bruce Springsteen's The Rising, which was actually written after. Because um, Bowie was uh, in the studio in like upstate New York when it happened. When he happens. lived in New York. Yeah, and his wife was. You know, they lived downtown. His wife was downtown, yeah. and he was like trying to figure out what was going on with his wife. And, daughter and crazy stuff. crazy crazy stuff so yeah that um i don't think it's released got much pub maybe maybe in the days you know preceding it because he was back then this is his first album after time out of mind which was his huge comeback 
Um, but it's really, you know, there's 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 some kind of rockers on there, um, but it's really known for being more of a gentle sort of uh, trip through Americana um, tropes, you know. So there's some jazzy stuff on there, um, acoustic. Um, it's much more gentle than Time Out of Mind. It's less death obsessed. Um, so it's more of a grab bag of Americana. Um, told, you know, this is the first album that he really synthesized like all of his influences in a really cool way. And he wasn't quite um, being accused of plagiarism yet. So hey, it's kind nice. of a nice one. Kind of a sweet spot right there for him. All right, let's do a quick rundown our top ten. Yes. I only made one change. I just flipped two of them in the top I made ten. one. I made one change as well. Yeah, mine is the same except so, uh, We'll keep going. Number 10 was Diamond Dogs from 1974. Number 10 for me is Rough and Rowdy Ways from 2020, replacing Tempest as discussed earlier. Number 9 is Black Star from 2016, the only album not from his prime run of 69 to 80. Uh, Number 9 for me is Oh Mercy uh, from 1989, which is a complete outlier of the 80s, uh, produced by our Mm. friend Daniel Lanois. Number 8 is 1979's Lodger, which jockeyed it was number 7, it moved down to number 8. I've got a number eight, John Wesley Harding. Again, an outlier in his catalog from 1967, his first album after his motorbike crash, um, and kind of a singular release in his in his uh, in his list. Number seven is a 1973's Aladdin Sane. This did uh, switched with Lodger, but those two jockey in my brain all the time. Oh, this switched. They just switched. This is the two the of them switched. switched. Yeah. They just switched. Seven and eight. Switched all right. To places. Seven for deal. me. Well, that's huge. I'm surprised that there wasn't a press release about this happening. Uh, there was, Jake. <laughs> oh, I missed it. Attention. It was on page four. Number seven is the times they are changing from 1964. His most explicitly dark and protesty, quote unquote, extreme air quotes, protest music. <laughs> Number six is 1977's Heroes, featuring. Maybe his best-known track, one of his best-known tracks. I would tracks. think so. Yeah. Besides, oddly, Space Oddity, probably. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, number six for me is "Bringing It All Back Home." Bring it all back home here, everybody, from 1965. Number five, 1980, "Scary Monsters," his last masterpiece for 36 years. <laughs> a short. A lot of good ones. There's a lot of good ones in between. His yeah, last yeah, yeah. True, unbridled masterpiece until Black Star, and then he died right afterwards. The jerk. All right, number five is Desire from 1976. Um, if the song Joey wasn't on here, which is just problematic in so many ways and long and boring, um, I think it might even be higher. Whoa. But uh, yeah, number five is pretty high. Number four, 1971's Hunky Dory, featuring the, I don't know, his unofficial theme song, Changes, and Life mm, on Mars, yeah. which was declared by Pitchfork the best song of the 70s for some reason. It's great, don't get me wrong. But it I is great. You Thanks, that. Pitchfork. Uh, number four for me is Time Out of Mind, his great big old fatty comeback from 1997, and the first Bob Dylan album that I bought, uh, well, no, that's not true, I bought Unplugged before that. I was going to say the new, uh, the first Bob Dylan album that I bought that was new, you know, when I was alive mm-hmm. for it. Uh, but yeah, that one knocks me out to this day. Number three, 1976's Station to Station, featuring Golden Years, amongst other hot tracks. Wop, wop, wop. It's also the one that he did so much cocaine on that he does not remember recording. Yeah, that's brilliant, though. Good one. I think you should do that Thanks. again. Thanks, cocaine. I think, I think more people should do so much cocaine. They, forget they don't remember doing. recording it. Just joking. Album. Although, probably, I don't know, countless, countless great art uh, examples of probably cocaine-fueled. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Number three is Highway 61 Revisited from 1965. 
the first, uh, uh, you know, the next three are basically perfect albums, and it's hard to rank them. But I got I got sixty one at number three. Mm. Number two is uh, Bowie's best known work, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the yes. Spiders from Mars from nineteen seventy two. Um, got Starman on it, but it really just yeah. it, it blew him up. This is how he kept going, and this whole idea of having you know. Are playing a character and continuing that character into the, like into his live shows and you know getting a little messed up in his brain because it's method acting and that's a bad idea, <laughs> you know. Uh-oh. And maybe the cocaine doesn't help any of that either. But kind of revolution is a really big. I think it's hard to overstate how much like this changed sort of the musical landscape and totally. the way the way people did rock shows and the way people thought about yeah albums and the whole cycle yeah. and the way this it, all worked. It wasn't just, it all wasn't just the music. No, nope, sure. it was the music. It was the visuals. It was the show. It was the clothes. It was the interviews. The hair, like everything, went together in this gigantic package. Mm-hmm. 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 And it was a gigantic package. <laughs> that sounds that <laughs> sounds bad, man. <laughs> Oh, is there, some, is there something we haven't, is there some anatomy we haven't touched on in our 66 <laughs> no. episode run? <laughs> Gigantic packages everywhere. <laughs> uh, number two for me is Blood on the Tracks. It's uh, from 1975. Um, I don't know what else to say. This was... It was the only year in the 70s that Dylan beat Bowie. Uh, yeah, uh, that's because the basement tapes were there as well. Plus he had... Yeah. Blood on the Tracks would have beat Young Americans on its own though. Yeah, plus he had the great. He had his best, probably his most. Well, no, his second most famous tour. Uh, I don't know what to say. It's it's almost perfect. It's just it re you know not not in the not in the pop pop cultural way that uh, that Bowie changed the musical landscape with Ziggy Stardust, but in terms of like songwriting Mm -hmm. and sort of inverting or blowing up or completely changing the singer songwriter dynamic. I also think it's interesting that he was, I don't know how old he was, 33, I think, at the mm-hmm. time. And he was legit, like, he'd been through so much. He was, like, legit, legitimately having a midlife crisis when he was 33 <laughs> yeah. years old. So, yeah, that's Blood yeah. on Tracks. Well, that's sort of what Bowie was doing. It's 1977's Low, which go. is my number one choice. Um, this is Bowie coming off of the drugs, cleaning up a little bit, living in Berlin. I don't think he wasn't in Berlin yet when this happened. Uh, bringing in influences like Krautrock and doing an entire half, second half, as kind of ambient soundscapes. Like, it was really a crazy thing for a pop musician of his stature to do at that point, especially coming after his soul period, mm-hmm. after his glam rock period. <laughs> it was wild. Boom, wild boom, stuff. Boom. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so number one for me is Blonde on Blonde from 1966. Uh, this is what happens when Bob Dylan works really, really hard and tries to make a really good album. It ends up being the best album his entire yeah. his entire his entire career. So that was uh, that was some creamy middles for you. So thanks go out once again to Tyson over in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thanks, Tyson. Tyson, Tyson. from Tulsa. Tyson from Tulsa. First yeah. time caller, long time listener. <laughs> Tyson from Tulsa. <laughs> and uh, I think we've blabbled on long enough, oh, Jake. Yeah. What do you say? Uh, yeah, I think I'm we fatigued. Have. I uh, just want you to know that we are going to be back, you know, I don't know how often for Bowie vs. Dylan, but we're going to try to, now that we'll our other couple, podcast couple has, more of these in. Has, yeah. uh, has, has died a, a, pain, a painless death, we're going we're gonna to do this a little and bit more you often. Know, Eno versus Young just isn't, isn't working out. <laughs> no. <yet. laughs> I'm not ready to go back to the well uh, of another musician. Uh, but yeah, look for All us. right then, well, look for us more. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. So long. <laughs>